Hello and welcome to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Uh, I'm Clive Glover and this week I've been talking to Caroline Pierce and Mike Tibble, who run a company called Audio Biographers, which produces recordings of discussions with your relatives about their family histories. And uh, it was very interesting. Here's what they had to say. I'd like to welcome two guests today, Caroline Pierce and Mike Tibble. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello, Clive. Right. Thank you for joining in on this. And now what we want to talk about, obviously, is family history and your particular interests in it. So can I start maybe, Caroline, asking you, um, how is it you got into this? What sort of triggered your interest in finding out about family history? Um, Well, I was studying for my master's degree in biography at the University of East Anglia. And during my studies, I recorded interviews with several members of my family, um, which started me thinking about my own family's history. For example, one of my grandfathers was a Russian immigrant at the start of the 20th century. Um, My maternal grandparents uh, met in the United States. They were English uh, during the First World War. And my mother-in-law was sent to Bernardo's in the 1930s. And um, I became curious about, about their stories and, um, and more. And at the same time, I did an oral history society training course. And I recorded interviews for a project called the Sam's Roots Project, which was a heritage lottery funded project about the backgrounds of 12 members of the St. Albans Jewish community. Um, And I became very aware that everyone has stories worth telling and keeping because each person's life experience is unique and and different between generations. So as my interest in in hearing and preserving stories grew, so did my experience in interviewing and, and listening with care and attention. And I started to see this kind of work as giving people the opportunity to have their voices heard sometimes for the benefit of history and sometimes for their families and friends. Um, so that's that's how I got started down this road. Right. And, and Mike, can you tell me, how did you get involved in this? Yes, I suppose I've had a long-term um, interest in family histories. Um, I think I mentioned that my grandmother was a Belgian immigrant that came over during the First World War. So she arrived in the UK in 1916. I think she was about 14 years old at the time. And um, there was a um, a government initiative to try and move Belgian people out of Belgium and resettle them in the UK and the United States for the duration of the war, with a view for them to go back at the end of the war. Um, and um, my family came over, um, and part of them went to the US, and part of them settled in Brixton in London. So there's this massive family rift, and there's lots of really interesting family stories that I've got to know about over the years. Um, and I've kind of got interested in it through that, actually. Um, and then as part of a project at work a few years ago, we took part in a, a two-day workshop that was run by the Oral History Society. Um, they trained us in interview techniques and the use of audio recording and editing equipment. Um, and we used that training to create audio recordings of some of the company technical experts um, with a view to sharing sort of valuable knowledge across the organisation. And during the workshop, I thought, what? Well, a great way to record people's life stories. I wish I'd been able to do that with, you know, with my grandparents. Um, and it's a very flexible and interactive way of recording uh, people's life stories. Um, it's easy to capture information, make changes to the recordings, edit them, and add new material at a later date. Um, so that was really how I got interested in it. Um, so together with my wife Diana, we started recording audiobiographies in 
2019, and then Caroline joined us a bit later uh, that year. Um, one of the things I think it would be worth mentioning, you mentioned um, Anna and trying to get younger people interested in um, people's family histories. And the first interview I did was with my 97-year-old um, father-in-law. Um, and I've got the recordings that well, they were made about two and a half years ago now. And what I found is that it's really in difficult to get people interested. Um, and very few people in the family have actually expressed an interest in listening to them which surprised me actually um so i think there's i think maybe it just takes time maybe over the years as people you know as people uh, become more interested in their family histories as i did um with my grandmother um then um mm. people become more interested and then what the work that we do maybe will you know become even more relevant than it is now yeah i think the, the point is that um obviously we what we were talking about on other programs here, particularly with Anna, is that a young person like her, if she takes the initiative and starts talking to her elderly relatives now, then obviously she can sort of leave that for some time maybe and go back to it. But later on, when perhaps she's suddenly interested when she's 40-something, um, she was, would regret not having done that because obviously they won't still all be around and i think that's the important element we were trying to to raise and mm. um it's, it's not just her but i mean the point was that was an issue which we sort of identified as being you're not really terribly interested in fact anna had done that because uh, she did some other project at school which in fact involved her talking to her grandparents so um <laughs> she yeah. was receptive to the idea yeah mm. okay and uh myself i mean um my sister started um, writing to and talking to our uh, relatives when she was a teenager herself. I don't know why she got interested as such, but she's accumulated boxfuls and information and letters and photographs and all the rest of it. Um, so, I mean, that's also a way people do do the same sort of job. Now, I'm interested because you've both been talking about doing it as an audio thing hmm. um have you also done written versions or taken or got photographs or so on or is it simply the audio recordings that you're you're interested in um i mean that's a really good question and it's something we get often asked and, and i think it's it's relatively you know having done an audio recording it's it's possible i'm going to say it's relatively easy it's not as caroline and um, <laughs> explain um but what we've decided to do is not go down that route really but just to stick to audio recordings i mean it's the special thing about creating an audio live story is being able to capture not only the the content but also the nuances and inflections in people's voices which are unique to them so we're not only capturing the story but we're also capturing some of their personality their laughter you know their emotions that kind of thing and actually voices are quite hard to recollect over time and, you know, we've often heard from our clients to say that they wish they had their family's voices to listen to. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the person, you know, actually becomes quite alive when they're doing the interview. Um, and so it's, a, you know, it's a really, you know, interactive way to, to sort of collect people's memories. So, I mean, to answer your question, I think, you know, it's something that we have been asked to do to convert our audio recordings into um, um sort of a written text and it is something that we're looking at but it's not something that we plan to do in the near future i think our core skill is really in interviewing uh, capturing the audio story and then in editing that um so i think that yeah i, I yeah. think that hopefully that answers your question but i think they are two very different things actually yeah I, I think I, in your circumstances i would be tempted maybe to video as well because it's so easy to do that and um i, I don't know have you thought about that as well? 
People have asked us about that, but um, and um, I actually I I'm a ghostwriter as well, so I do write memoirs, um, but it's completely different skill set and it's a different type of project. And the same is with video. Video can be a distraction, I find. And mm. what I find really wonderful about about doing an audio biography is that I can sit with someone in a room for two or three or as on Monday four hours with someone and they you know you kind of develop a sort of a, a bond with them straight away so it's it's about focusing on on them and listening to them and giving them the opportunity to to speak and to tell their stories and that also helps to trigger memories of, of um while they're telling the stories and it's sort of it's really interesting you can sort of see people's faces you can see where their minds are going as they begin to remember more and more and i think video is is a as I said, it's a distraction. And I think, you know, with, with writing projects, it's, a, it's, it's so much more time consuming and very, very lengthy. Um, whereas this is something that's, that's much easier for, for our clients to do because they can sit in a room for three or four hours and they can tell us all about their stories and then that's it, they're done. Then, you know, we edit or Mike does the editing and then they've got this lovely product at the end of it. They have a memory stick with however many hours of audio which then they, they can give to their families and it's it's um something that happens in a more timely manner than writing and it doesn't involve editing video which we don't actually have the skills to do that and it's um not something we really want to do either i'm not sure if that answers your question yeah, no, no that's fine i think the other thing that comes to mind to me is i've been aware obviously in some instances of people who my family um they have got a sort of block on things where there are certain things which they don't want to talk about mm-hmm. and I, i'd categorize it i mean as two things one is the second world war particularly mm. <laughs> where there are lots of mm-hmm. things that happened and people who really have blocked them in their mind or don't want to talk about them or in some cases um, my mother for example worked in a place which was basically a secret place and she never quite knew whether she was allowed to sort of even mention it but um i won't go into the details therefore (laughs) um but i mean it's that sort of thing so do you find people have got things which they wouldn't want to talk about i suppose it's also particular family things where there's perhaps illegitimate children or something Mm -hmm. like that which maybe they just don't want to mention which obviously was a a bigger bigger issue in those days than it would be today yes definitely it's quite interesting talking about the war there, Clive, because I found that quite often people, especially men, will go straight to the war as if that's their life story. I know my father-in-law did, and he had 97 years worth of stories to tell. And he, whenever you interviewed him, whether, whether I interviewed him, he always went straight to his war stories. Um, and it's important. One of the things that we do is try and... Um, um, create a timeline of people's lives before we interview them so they don't always go to their default story if you like um and it was interesting we just recorded this story of a hundred year old man who'd been a pilot in bomber command during the second world war and for you know very understandable reasons he didn't want to talk about his war experience um but he did mention that one of the british pilots in his squadron um had been an observer in the american aircraft that dropped the bomb in nagasaki um, and that when Goodness. he returned home, he was never the same again. And to be honest, I thought that story was absolutely incredible. It just took my breath away and it made me feel quite humble, actually. And mm-hmm. it was amazing mm-hmm. to think that, you know, people's stories are, are really very special and exceptional, even though people don't necessarily realise it themselves at the time. 
And I think also with that story, um, Mike, that the the man in question at the beginning, all he had, all I knew was that he didn't want to talk about the war. Mm. And actually that was very definite. It was like, don't bring up the war. And I didn't, but he did, which I found very interesting. I think he, he got to a stage where he felt quite, quite comfortable in talking and he was able to to go you know that close to it he that was it he wouldn't go beyond that but he could he was able to tell us how this man was impacted and how that then impacted him so it was interesting because that was something he hadn't said to his family either Mm. and um, I've also interviewed I interviewed a survivor from Auschwitz who had done a lot of talking about her experiences there but one of the things she hadn't talked about before Um, was about the tattoo on her arm and she told me that story and so it was you know very very much a privilege to to hear these stories Um, I think you know another another recent one was a woman who had discovered when she was in her mid-20s that she had a sister that had been given away by her parents and during so she decided that she wanted to record this story for her family and during the telling of the story, you could see that her feelings changed because her perspective before was that she was really, really angry with her parents for not telling her about this. And it was discovered in a very bizarre way. Um, But she was really angry with them and um, she hadn't really forgiven them for the way they blocked her out of it. And during her telling of this story to me for her audio biography, her perspective you could see it shifted and she started to have more understanding about the times and the context and what her parents must have gone through and also why they kept it a secret because as you said you know illegitimate children or or adoptions they were sort of kept hush hush but she she gained more understanding of it in the telling decades later what i didn't really perhaps explain at the beginning is that you actually do this for other people so how do you um approach this or do people presumably approach you i mean you advertise in some way so how do you get clients for this um and what is the process you go through well mike and, and diana started it off and they were doing some um some press releases locally where where they live and then when I joined in we sort of expanded a little bit we don't do all that much advertising actually we do we do have our website and we do have a Facebook page that we have put regular posts on the on the Facebook page Um, but it's it's largely at the moment about word of mouth um, because we've done quite a few of these now I can't even think how many we've done people start talking and then you know somebody's friend or their uncle and they think oh that might be quite nice for my grandma and people gift you know will ask us if we will do it for their parent or whatever and then so we recently did a husband and then we did his wife um so it's largely word of mouth and we're just sort of spreading the word little by little it's it's very nice i mean when we when we started off we were doing them on zoom but now I can go and see people in person. So I, I'm I'm based near St Albans, so I do cover the St Albans, St Albans and wider Hertfordshire area. I did one in Luton a few weeks ago. So, you know, I'm I, I'm happy to to travel a reasonable distance. Um, much prefer to do them in person. But I'm doing one actually. I did I've done a couple in France on Zoom. I'm doing one in California in a couple of weeks' time. Um, which is a bit of a challenge because it's time difference, but it's fine. We can make it work. <laughs> um, 
and uh, yes, it's wonderful that we can we can do it anywhere. And, and also another thing that come that has come up is somebody who, who might live in this country, they might have a relative in a different country, and they want to hear their story, so they can connect us to them that way. Yeah, I was going to ask that question. If someone in California you're working for, is that because they are looking for English relatives, or they expect, or they know their family came from here, or something like that? Um, well, she does actually have relatives um, in Scotland. She's got some some history, and and again, that was through a contact. You know, we we sort of spread the word. Well, networking with with friendship groups, with choir groups, with all kinds of groups. Really, we we Mike and I both do a fairly good job, I think, of talking to people about what we do and explaining, and uh, because we both love it. That's the thing. I mean. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful thing to be part of, to, to be able to sit with someone and for them to trust us with their memories and then for us to give them this gift, um, which they can share with their families. It's, it's, yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, um, can you give me some idea how, what sort of time is involved? I mean, if, if someone contacts you today and says, mm-hmm. I'd like you to sort of do this for me or for my uh, relative or something, um, it sounds to me like it's probably a relatively long process to actually sort of get it all organised, do the interview, do the editing and so on. I mean, is that sort of weeks or months sort of job or is it quicker than that? Oh, no, it's fairly quick, really. Um, it it depends a lot on the person because first of all I talk to them and find out about you know what sort of stories they want to tell maybe and get them started to think about it so I send them some um some paperwork I send them a sort of a simple questionnaire and I send them a, a list of sort of questions to help them start thinking about what it is they want to share you know where does their start story start who are they telling it for what are the most important bits who are the most important people in their lives and you know do they want to talk about their career or do they want to talk about you know their wedding and their married life do, you know people have different things sometimes it's an event they want to talk about sometimes it's a time period sometimes it'll be a sort of an overview of their their whole life or, or, or one person who basically told me about his entire career that was it was all based around his career that he wanted to share with his grandchildren um so I help to prepare them in that way. And then when they're ready, when they feel like they've sort of assembled their thoughts, then we'll set up a meeting um, and we can do that fairly quickly. And then once that's done, <clears throat> excuse me, I send send the recording to Mike and he'll edit it within a week or so. Um, so it can be fairly quick. We're not talking about months. I would say we're talking about weeks, but the initial part is up to them, to, up to the client to 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 think about what they what they want to record and then I sort of guide them a little bit along the way. Right, I, I'm interested because I must admit I hadn't really ever come across anybody doing this kind of thing before, um, although it's a very logical thing to do. So, are there lots of people, to your knowledge, doing this, or is it, are you sort of fairly unique or unusual doing doing this particular sort of role? Um, I I thought the same. Clive I thought there'd be loads of people doing this but actually there isn't anyone that that I could find anyway there was a gentleman in Australia that was doing it Um, I found his website which had ceased working some years ago Um, so yeah it it made sense to look around and see who else was doing it and see you know what the you know the competition if you like was was going to be but I couldn't really find anyone there was a an organization um, that went into hospices and um, recorded um, or tried to 
um, train the staff in the hospices to record people's life stories, sort of an end of life um, sort of service, really. But I, I don't know whether that has really worked or not. I think it was quite difficult you know, A, to get the family members to buy into it and also to get the staff to train and spend the time doing it. Um, I did offer help at one point to help them to, you know, to set it up and to help with their editing, but um, I never heard anything back from them. Um, I hope it's working. I mean, it's a brilliant service um, and I think it's run by mostly by volunteers. Um, but again, I'm not sure whether, from a business point of view, whether that was it was really viable or not. Um, so apart from them and us um, and this gentleman in Australia who's ceased <laughs> trading, I don't think there is anyone else. I'd be very interested to know if there is. Gosh, that's that's amazing actually. So it's very unique and it's it's um it's something which I would think other people would think of. I, I do know somebody who, for example, does a service similar for families, collecting together all their photographs and little mm. stories and puts it all into a sort of a, a book or a booklet. Because these days you can print off a fantastically good quality um, booklet like that and sort of presents it in a nice presentation case with a ribbon on it and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, my wife does that for every holiday we go on. We've got hundreds of them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're fantastic, but you could do it all online. She just uploads the photographs and moves them around. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, look, so can you just uh, perhaps uh, now give a little plug for your business if you want to put out your website and whatever, and uh, we can... Uh, see how many people contact you perhaps on the back of this <laughs> yes thank you very much um it's www.audiobiographers that's one word .co.uk and um you can find us on facebook as well um and that's where we've got lots of information on our website there's also lots of audio clips of interviews that we've previously done to give people an idea because if i might i just like to add that one thing that people I hear very, very often is people say to me, well, my story is not very interesting. I haven't had a very interesting life. It's just ordinary. And I always tell them that that's completely untrue because it will be of interest to someone. So even if they've had what they consider to be an ordinary everyday life to their children or their grandchildren, that life will be so different from theirs that it will be fascinating for them to hear details. I mean, for example, if you don't mind me talking a little bit more about this, um, but I interviewed a woman who was born in the 1930s, for example, and she was fostered out from London where she was born to rural Suffolk. And her life was completely different. She was allowed to run around and play in the fields all day. You know, she had no adult supervision. Um, the kind of toys they had were very basic. Um, a big treat was going for a ride in a pony and trap example and they didn't have toothpaste they had to clean their teeth with salt because they either couldn't obtain or couldn't afford toothpaste so even memories like that which she considered to be very ordinary to her grandchildren and great-grandchildren even they're they're going to be really interesting to hear you know how this person that they may have seen as a grandmother and not really as a person to see how how her life was when she was a child for example so um, there's a lot of opportunity um, to explore people's lives. And, and that, that is the number one thing that I come across people saying my life has been really boring. Mm. Um, I mean, my own mother, actually, I, I interviewed her and she said, oh, no, don't record me. I've got nothing to say. And then I said to her, OK, mum, well, fine. But tell me about your house when you were growing up. And she went on to describe her family home and how her this is during the war and how her sister's friends who were soldiers they would come over 
um, when they had time off and they'd bring records and they'd have a wind up gramophone in the living room and they'd play jazz and they'd all dance to it. I mean, it's, it's so evocative when you hear someone talk about it, but to say that the story is not interesting or the life wasn't interesting is, is simply not true. I was just going to say that some of the some of the stories are quite amusing, actually, and, and um, we get these occasional nuggets of things that just come from nowhere and you don't expect. And we recently recorded the story of a, a gentleman that came over from Jamaica in the 1960s, and he was just uh, just a joy to uh, listen to, and he had loads of funny stories about growing up in England. And during one of the his stories, he casually mentioned that when he arrived in the UK, he briefly stayed in Birmingham with his cousin Errol Brown, um, the lead singer with Hot Chocolate. And they just sort of casually dropped that in as if it was, you know, like it was just everyone's best friend sort of thing. It was just, yeah. Yes, it happens, doesn't it? Anyway, look, thank you very much for this. It's been really interesting. And thank you for um, all your stories and so on. And, um, well, I think uh, wish you good luck with more of these stories and more of your business, because it sounds to me like you've got a big market out there, haven't you? <laughs> Hope so. Yes, yes, because we love it. So right. thank you very okay. much indeed, Clive. It's been really lovely talking yes, to you. Yes, thank you, Clive. Thank you for listening to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM with me, Clive Glover, and with Anna Lofts. If you haven't heard our previous shows, they are available as podcasts from www.radioverulam.com and this episode will be added shortly. You can follow us or contact us on Twitter and Instagram at rvfamilyhistory, that's all one word. Do join us again next time for the Family History Show.